Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. great series about stewardship, and, um, and I love this thought, we get to. We get to do things for God. We don't have to do anything, but we get to be a part of what God's doing in the earth today. So it's been a great series. Pastor Steve preached upon about what are you doing with what you have. You know, one day we're going to stand before Jesus, and, and, and the one thing I want him to say is, well done, my good and faithful servant. You took what I gave you, and you used it. And that was such a powerful message. And then the next, and the next week, Pastor Jude talked about serving one another and, and building together and using our gifts to build the house of God. And then last week, I love Pastor Michael talked about things that hinder us, you know, from really being used by God. Maybe we compare ourselves. Maybe we think we're too busy whatever it is, um, but really uh, getting past those barriers and letting God use you. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about being a stewardship of the good news. Being a stewardship of the good news. I love that thought. And we're going to look at Pete, um, not Peter, Philip in the Bible, not Philip the apostle, uh, but Philip the leader, Philip the the evangelist in the body of Christ. And and Philip was... uh, uh, just a man that, that I think got saved. Um, he got saved um, after Jesus left. I'm just assuming because he wasn't an apostle. Uh, he, um, he may have been in the upper room. We don't know. But he really got what, the, what our job was. He really got how to steward the good news. And today we are going to learn through, through his life how we can steward the good news. Now, how many have ever heard the, you know, scenario, you have to tell someone some bad news, right? And you, and you do the good news, bad news scenario. Okay, how many of you like to get the bad news first? Okay, how many like to get the good news first? All right. Oh, just one person. Okay. Okay. So, um, and so, you know, um, you know, we always use that good news, bad news scenario, right? So, so it just reminds me of a story. Um, we were in Hawaii with my sister came with us on our trip. We've never done that before. <laughs> anyway, she came with us to Hawaii. And so I said, Hey, we'll pay for the room. We've already paid for it. You just pay for the rental car. And so we get into Hawaii. She went, as so we get the rental car. And so we noticed that she didn't use a major credit card that she used her debit card to rent a card. And so Jude goes, um, are you sure you want to not put your, you know, get insurance or put your, put the rental car on a major credit card? She goes, oh no, it's fine. It's fine. So we go, okay. You know, so <laughs> the first night of the trip, we go out to dinner in her rental car. She stays back. And so we go out to dinner with the boys in Lahaina and we come back to the car and we notice something is weird. The whole windshield shattered, was shattered. Like, oh God, did someone take a bat and, you know, hit the, hit the car? And we noticed on the ground there was a coconut. The coconut had fallen, had fallen from the tree and shattered the windshield. And of course, you know, we're thinking, oh my gosh, she does not have insurance on this car. And so the boys are laughing. I'm kind of, you know, chuckling because when I get nervous, I laugh. And (laughs) so we're trying to figure out how are we going to tell her that the coconut fell on her car? So we go, okay, let's think of a good news, bad news scenario. And so the whole way home, we're trying to think of the good news, bad news scenario. And so we get home and we say, Christina, 
we have some good news and some bad news for you. Do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news? She goes, I think I want the bad news first. I go, okay, a coconut fell on your car and shattered the windshield, but the good news is you're in Hawaii. <laughs> oh my gosh. So needless to say, we drove around with the shattered windshield and uh, had to go get it fixed, but it was a crazy time. But <clears throat> You know, we said that story to tell you that we have the greatest news that the world needs today. There's so much bad news around us, and we could focus on the bad news, and it could get us depressed and upset, but, but I'm telling you what, there's the greatest news that the world needs today, and God said, I want to steward you to bring the good news. We're going to look at a scripture today. This is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I want to read it in the Amplified Translation because it says it so well. And and this is the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. But you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem, all of Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So this, think about it. This was the very last thing that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven. And, and we have to know this, that the last thing someone said, is they want us to remember it. They want us to know, hey, your salvation wasn't just for you to get the Holy Spirit and feel good and have the, the Holy Spirit goosebumps and, and, and the upper room. What if when they got the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, they never did anything with it? They just, oh, this feels good. This is great. The whole point of getting empowered by the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I've been on the earth in the flesh. I'm going to send my spirit now that's going to live inside of you. And now what I did on the earth, you're going to do all together. That's a powerful thing. So, and so Jesus commissioned us to be good stewards of the greatest news ever told. And you know, even for me as a little um, a young girl, um, maybe you're 15 in this room, and I became a Christian. I was about 13 years old, but I, I, but I remember hearing a message in a small church in Louisiana. We didn't even have a good youth group, but this message changed my life forever. Because even as a girl that stuttered, I heard this message that I may be the only Jesus. I may be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. So I began to look at my school. I began to look at the people around me. What if I'm the only Jesus that they ever hear? So I remember I, and, and really we're to live the good news, not just speak the good news. We need to live, we need to obey and listen to what God tells us and obey. And then we need to speak the good news. But first of all, it begins with living the good news. We need to live the good news before we even speak the good news. And so I remember when I was in high school, so funny, um, we had, uh, as I went to church, I had a youth group. We decided to start a Bible club in our high school. And they voted me the president of the Bible club. Okay, you guys, I stuttered 87% of the time. I was like, why in the heck are you voting me the president of the Bible club as I stuttered as I'm saying that? And they go, because you're the most real Christian that, that we know. So, so I became the president of the Bible club. Did I ever speak at the Bible club? No. But I brought a lot of people to the Bible club. And, uh, and, and so, you know, because in me, I knew that my life mattered. Your life matters. Your testimony, how you live matters to the gospel. The greatest message you will ever preach is the life you live before people. 
And so, so for me, it started way back in high school. And then I went to college. I helped start a Bible um, club. It's called Chi Alpha. I would bring the most people every week. They would laugh. I never spoke. I never was on the platform. But I would have a line of people coming with me to my Bible club that's still going on today in college. And then, you know, when I, became, when I got married and had kids, my kids' baseball game was my mission field. So I would sit in the stands and I would pray, okay, God, use me today. Who do you want me to talk to today? And God gave me so many divine appointments, so many ways to speak to, speak to people about Jesus. They would ask me. I had someone knock on my window one time. And, um, and he goes, excuse me. He says, um, he goes, I'm just so curious about you and your husband. You just, there's a joy about you. And you know, can you tell me about your church? He's literally knocking on my window. He was a Jewish man, knocked on my window. And of course, I had him get in my car, which I probably shouldn't because he was a guy, whatever. Anyway, and I began to tell him about Jesus because he saw something in me. I never said a word to him about Jesus, but he saw something in me. And this is what it means to be a steward of the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but man, I just don't want to live my life for myself. I don't want to live my life just to feel the presence of God and, and experience it for myself. But if you live that way, you're not really being a steward of the good news of Jesus Christ. You want to be fulfilled in your life. You want to find great joy. Be a good steward of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, today we're going to look at the life of Philip. We're going to look at the life of Philip. Now, now this is not Philip the Apostle. Philip, there was Philip the Apostle and, you know, and, and people looked at the Apostles as they're the big wigs and, you know, they study the word and they preach the word and, and we can't, you know, can't get near them and they're so holy. Philip, this Philip was just a leader in the church. Just a leader in the church. He, um, he served in the house of God. He served on the team. He held one of those signs and, and he met the needs of the church and he decided, I'm going to join a team. I'm going to get busy. He had a team mentality. Philip had a team mentality. I love this scripture. It's, um, it said, really the whole, uh, the whole overview, the church, let me just share this first before I share the scripture. The whole overview of this, the church that had got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the church began to grow. 3,000 got baptized on the first day. Persecution began to, be to break up, but people were getting saved. So many people were getting saved that they, people were complaining that their needs weren't being met. So what the apostles did, they said, you know, we, we can't really give ourselves to just, you know, you know serving people. We've got we to study. We've got to preach the word. We're seeing people saved. We need to get seven men of good reputation, and we need to anoint them and set them apart to be leaders in the house to meet the basic needs. Now, the basic needs back then was just to feed the widows. So many times we think things are above us or beneath us. You know, I'm, you know I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not called to do that. I'm going to be on the platform. But here Philip was just a deacon. They appointed him to be a deacon. You know what deacon, a deacon is? They just get in the dirt of the church. They get in the dirt. They're going to they're gonna meet whatever need there is. And there was, is that he was, that he was one of seven men that were full of the Holy Spirit. They had a good reputation and they were spirit-filled and they were wise. So they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was living in them. He's just doing whatever it was to build the church. And you know what happened? Because they met the basic needs of the church, it said in Acts 6, 7, then the word of God spread and the numbers of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests even got saved. The religious men 
who sat in their little thrones, they also got saved. They began to experience what real Christianity, what real life was all about. And when we as, as, as leaders, just one of the ways we can be good stewards of the good news is just meet the basic needs of people. There's needs in all of to feed the hungry, to help people, to serve, to sit with them in church, to help their kids get checked in into city kids, to help the single mom. If we can begin to meet the needs as leaders, we are actually being good stewards of the good news. Amen. So I want to challenge you. You see a need, you meet it. You see a piece of paper on the floor, you pick it up. You see someone sitting by themselves in church, you sit with them. Let's meet the needs of the church. Let's begin to serve people and see what God's going to do. Number two, Philip crossed barriers. He crossed barriers. You know, what started happening um, right after they appointed uh, these seven men, one of the men was, um, was Stephen. And Stephen, um, he, he was just like Philip. He got appointed to serve in the house of God. But man, he started preaching the gospel. Signs and wonders were following him. Guess what happened? People got jealous. And they started coming against Stephen. And he, and he ends up preaching about Jesus. He preached the good news. And they end up stoning him and killing him in front of everyone. And I'm sure Philip was standing right there watching his friend that he served with in church stoned. And he had a choice to make. Am I going to retreat? That could be me. Or am I going to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ? And you know in that great commission it talked about going to Samaria. And guess what Philip did? He went against what everything within him said to do. The Holy Spirit within him compelled him to go to Samaria. Samaria was not the place the Jewish people went to. There was contention between the, the Jews of Jerusalem and the people of Samaria. It's almost like, it's almost like the liberals and the conservatives. <laughs> there was this tension. There was, but you know what? He was, he was compelled to cross barriers. Barriers that were uncomfortable for him. And God said to him, hey, I want you to go to Samaria. He heard that commission within him, go to Samaria, go to Samaria. Remember at this point, he was just a leader. Later, he was known as Philip the Evangelist, but that wasn't until later. He just began to evangelize. He went into Samaria and he preached the good news. It said, it said that the, the, uh, the believers were scattered like seed. After they left, they were persecuted in Jerusalem. They were scattered like seed. They all went to different, different locations and they were spreading the good news. Do you know inside of you is a seed? When God made you, he made a seed bearing people. And, and his point was never that the seed would stay with us, but that the seed within us would, would be placed into someone else and that we would see a harvest of lives changed through our lives. Well, see, Satan meant for them to be afraid and to, to retreat. But guess what happened? They went forward and they were scattered like seed all over the region. And the gospel of Jesus Christ went out. And God used their lives to now advance the gospel. That is what we're to do. There are going to be times in your life where, man, you're going to be afraid or you're going to want to retreat. It's like, it doesn't matter what I say. I don't want to say anything about Jesus because no one wants to hear it anyway. You're missing an opportunity for the seed inside you to be planted in someone else. So Philip was willing to cross barriers that were uncomfortable. What about you? Maybe there's people in your life 
that you don't even, you can't relate to. I mean, I've had people like that that I work with at the hospital and they think they came from gas or air or weird, okay? It's just weird. It's like, how do you relate to them? But you know what? I pray, said, God, give me something to say to them. Give me a seed to plant. And, you know, as well, give me something to say. So he does. He'll give me the illustration or something about him. And they go, mm, they look at me and they think about it. I may not give them the whole gospel, but I'm giving them enough to make them hungry for more. And the greatest thing that happens to me at work a lot of times people don't relate to, they see joy in me. They see something different. And then they ask me, what's different about you? The greatest way we can even preach the gospel is who we are and who you are. So live it. And so, so be willing to cross barriers. If God says to you, hey, I want you to, I want you to do this for this person. God, they don't want it. Don't say that they don't want it. He knows they want it. You do it. Cross the street, cross the barrier, go across, don't be afraid. God's gonna use you like he used Philip. And because Philip went to Samaria, the whole city was glad. I love this, it says, it says in Acts 8, four through five, those who had been scattered moved on preaching the good news along the way. And Philip went down to Samaria and it said that he preached, signs and wonders began to follow him. He prayed for people that were sick, they were believing for healing. He laid hands on them and they were healed. And guess what happened? The whole city was filled with joy. When you help meet the needs and praying for people, let me tell you what's going to come to their life. Joy. You can bring joy to those around you. So cross those barriers. Cross those barriers. Number three, what he did, I love this part. He went after the one. Philip went after the one. Sometimes we think, oh, uh, uh, I have to reach the, you know, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea so much. But you know what? He may just call you to reach the one. That one person may change a nation. That one person may be president one day. That one person may be governor of our state one day. We're responsible sometimes for the one. And Philip demonstrated the one. And uh, it says in Acts 8, 26 through 27, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, now go south from Jerusalem on the desert road to Gaza. It was a desert place. And it says in verse 27, he immediately went on his assignment. He immediately went on his assignment. Now think about this. Philip just had great revival in Samaria. Oh my gosh, the cities, they were filled with joy. He's like the man in town. He is the man. And so many times we like the kudos of the big, right? This feels good. This feels good. But then God speaks to him and he listens. See, he lived, but he also listened. And God said, hey, I want you to go to the Gaza road, the desert road in Gaza. Now, uh, the Roman roads were already built. And so this road, no one really traveled on. He goes, why in the heck do you want me to go to a desert road? But guess what he did? He immediately went on his assignment. And there he found an Ethiopian eunuch. And you know what, you know what Jesus said? The angel of the Lord said to him, he said, go up close and listen. Listen to what he's saying. So Philip ran up to the chariot. He had to run fast probably. He's probably running really fast. And he's listening like me. I'm so nosy. I like to hear what people are saying, you know. <laughs> I'm very nosy. My husband knows that. I'm just very nosy, guys. Sorry. So he's, li he's listening. He's listening to what the eunuch is saying. 
And guess what he was doing? He was reading a passage in the Bible about what Jesus did for us. He was reading that passage and he goes, hey, hey, do you know what you're reading? And he goes, no, I don't. And honestly, the same thing happened to me one time I was working out at the health club and I, um, and I said, God, use me today. Which, and so I went to the health club and this guy's reading the Bible right by me and he's like, reading, he's, he's working out and I tap him on the shoulder and go, hey, what are you reading? <laughs> same thing, weird. It was my eunuch, okay. And actually, you know what? That, that guy got, set, not Ethiopian, he's not a eunuch, but... <laughs> man, do you know that man, that man that I prayed for, that I talked about the Bible, you know, he's saved today and started FCA clubs all over Bellevue right now for that one salvation. I was willing. I was willing. So he's tapping on his shoulder while he's, he's running by and saying, hey, do you know what you're reading? So he gets up in the chariot with them and he tells them all about Jesus. And that Ethiopian man who was high up official in his government, said, what must I do to be saved? They found water, he got baptized, and do you know, he went back to his country, and there's still Christian church today that has changed that nation because of that one person he came in contact with you. Who's that one in your life? I'm gonna share a story with you where this really hit home and really perpetuated this thought in my life. When I was in college, um, you know, I went home, my mom lived out in the country and it was like, almost like a desert road, you know, I went home to visit my mom and, um, and there was a young man that I grew up with, his name was Duncan and, um, and I hadn't seen Duncan in years and so, and so when Duncan saw me, he thought I was cute, what can I say? Um, and, um, <laughs> and so, so he wanted me to go with him to the fair, they had the fair, I hate fairs, I hate even, I get dizzy watching the, you know, the fairs real spin around, I just get a nausea at the smell of smoke, people smoking their cigarettes and just, you know, just hate it all. But I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go with him. I was like, all right. Well, you guys have to know, I stuttered 87% of the time. But I said, okay, God, I will go, but I want you to use me in his life. Amen. And so I get in his dirty truck as he smoked his cigarettes as we're driving to the fair and country music's playing in the car, which at the time I didn't like it, but now I love it. But <laughs> the first thing he tells me, he said, um, he goes, you know, I died in a car accident and I came back to life. And he's telling me his whole experience. The moment I get in the truck, he says this to me. So I'm like, okay, oh my God, I gotta share my faith. You know, I'm like, this is it. So I am sharing my faith. I'm sharing every bit of good news that I know that the Bible says. I'm stuttering up a storm. I'm slapping my leg, trying to get the words out. And I'm sharing everybody. I mean, I look like a fool. Uh, but I look, I, it was embarrassing. But I knew that I may be the only person that shared the gospel with him. So I'm preaching to him the whole time we're out. I mean, I share my mom's story. I share everybody's story. I knew. And he, and he was a Catholic boy. Never really went to the Catholic church. And he didn't know anything. And so, and I didn't really even know much about the Bible then. I just shared what I knew and my story and what Jesus did for me and what my mom, what, what God did for my mama. And, and so literally at, at the end of our time together through, through stammering lips, I said, Duncan, do you want to become a Christian? And he goes, um, uh, you know, he goes, I've never heard this before. <laughs> like, I'm sure I freaked him out. Um, he goes, I never heard this before, but you've given me a lot to think about. And for two weeks, that's all he can think about. What I shared with him. 
So what he did, he went to a Baptist church, and there was a salvation call, and he comes forward to the altar, standing there, and no one prayed for him. No one prayed for him. Probably had their roast in the oven or going out with their friends. No one prayed for him. So guess what he did? He went a mile down the road, knocked on my mom's door. I was at college. He goes, Miss Gloria, I can't stop thinking about what Becky told me. I want to become a Christian. I don't know how to do it. Will you pray for me? She told me you are Christian and, you know, what God did for you. Would you lead me to Jesus? Will you help me? Sat at our kitchen table. My mom led him to Jesus Christ. Well, about a month later, I get a phone call from my mom. She's crying. She goes, Becky, Duncan got in a car accident and he died. This time he didn't come back. That moment changed me forever. You never know who's in your life. You have your own sphere of influence. I'm not in your sphere of influence. There are people in your sphere of influence that God has placed because you may be the only Jesus they ever know. And I'm going to challenge you high schoolers, junior high, I don't care how old you are, we are all called to steward the good news of Jesus Christ. And I know the greatest joy I'm going to have one day is when I go to heaven and Duncan is going to be there and he's going to thank me for telling me about Jesus even through stammering lips. Who's your one? Who can you invite? Get your cards. Pray over them. Invite them. Have them sit with you. You never know who you're going to have sit with you. You never know what that person's going to do. You may be the only person that ever invites them to church. I want to challenge you. I want you to steward the Great Commission. Steward the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe as we do that together, this place is going to be filled with testimonies of people that said, thank God you told me about Jesus. Thank God that, that you weren't afraid. Thank God you took time to ask God. Listen to what God told you and you invited me to church. We're going to have testimonies. This I believe we're entering into a time of great revival in our nation. I'm telling you what, people need Jesus now more than ever. And we only have today. <laughs> Philip left a legacy. My, I'm determined to leave a legacy. You know he left a legacy in his own family? He had, it says he had four daughters who prophesied. So that tells me that he lived Jesus in front of his children and he brought the good news to his children. His children now were prophesying and, and the gifts of God were evident in them. But I'm telling you, he, didn't, he just didn't leave a legacy in his children. He left a legacy that we're still talking about today. And he became known as Philip the Evangelist. There's a legacy of faith in your life that God wants to leave. There's a legacy. There's people. There will be lines of people behind you, I believe, if you will steward the Great Commission when you go to heaven and they're going to thank you for telling them Jesus. They're going to thank you for living the truth. You know, the greatest deterrent to the good news People, it says, Mahatma Gandhi says, the greatest deterrent to the good news is those who preach the good news and don't live the good news. 
Can I challenge you? People are watching. Can I challenge you? Live the good news. Live the good news. Be willing. Be willing like Philip to, to preach the good news. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to just, in this morning, I don't know if we have a, a music coming, but I want to, who in this room want to be like Philip? You want to be like, I want to pray for you. God, we just thank you right now. Lord, we want to be like Philip. God, we want to be like Philip. God, we want to be good stewards of the, great new, of the greatest news ever told. Father, right now, I just pray, Lord, for, uh, for each person in this room. God, we begin to take on the mantle and the commitment that, God, we're no longer going to sit on the sidelines and let someone else do it. But, Lord, put us in the game. God, put us on the, God, put us on the forefront. God, you gave us the Holy Spirit. You commissioned us. The last thing you told us was go, go, go and preach the good news. And I pray right now in each one of us that, God, we would become like Philip. God, we're going to serve on a team. We're going to join the team. We're going to build your house. God, this is the avenue where people to come in, get saved, get discipled. Father, God, Lord, for not on a team, show us where you want us to serve. God, I pray for that right now. God, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to build your church. We're going to build the kingdom of God. We're going to reach people. We're going to invite people. Father, I thank you for that today. Father, I pray you give us courage to cross barriers. Help us cross those, those difficult barriers where we maybe get intimidated, don't know what to say. God, you said when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will give us what to say. Father, I pray we're going to go, we're going to cross those barriers in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us reach the one. I want you to think of someone right now. Get them in your mind. Think about it. God, help us reach that one. Lord, I pray that you will give us ears to hear that we're going to live, we're going to listen, and we're going to speak. Father, give us ears to hear when you prompt us that we're not going to disregard it, but we're going to activate it. We're going to be good stewards, and we're going to go after the one. Because, God, you want a legacy of faith for us. Every eye closed right now as we in this morning and I really felt this strongly whether you're online or you're in this room every eye closed you're like Duncan you came here today felt prompted someone's invited you you're like Duncan and you're searching because God's so good he seeks and saves those that are lost he loves us he's not lost we were and you're here today because you don't, you're not promised tomorrow. And even as I spoke and I talked about him, there's something inside you was stirred up. Would you respond? Jesus loves you. I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three. And I want you to respond as an act of faith, saying, I want to start this journey of faith. I want every eye closed. You're here today, and you want what Jesus offered you. Forgiveness of sin, wholeness. Maybe you've been struggling with addiction. There's freedom for you today. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All over. Awesome. Let's give him a hand clap. 
Awesome. So keep your hand lifted. I want to pray for you. This is the greatest day of your life. This is the greatest day of your life. This is the greatest day of your life. I want to pray for you. Let's pray together. We're going to pray the sinner's prayer. This is just the beginning of these new converts. Father, say Jesus. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you that you forgive all my sins. Thank you that you loved me enough that while I was a sinner, you died for me. And I received today all that you have for me. Change me from the inside out. I choose and commit to make you Lord of my life. Have your way in me. In Jesus' name, amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.